Hello and welcome to The Planet Today, where we cover the latest in climate change, wildlife conservation, renewable energy, and environmental policy. Today is Friday, January 5th, 2024. I'm your host, Matt Norton, here with our second best of last year episodes, where we're going to air snippets of three interviews that really meant a lot to us this past calendar year. If you are new here, what I like to do at the end of the year while we are taking some time off to rest, relax, be with friends, be with family, is air one question from each interview that I start every one of our interviews off with. What got you first interested in environmentalism, in sustainability, in wildlife conservation, in climate change? You know, whatever it is you're doing in this space, what got you started? What is your why you do this? So with that, let's get right into the first of our three. Today on TPT, we are joined by Martha Hunt Handler, the board president of the Wolf Conservation Center, a New York-based nonprofit organization whose mission is to advance the survival of wolves by inspiring global community through education, advocacy, research, and recovery. They're also playing a leading role in increasing the number of two critically endangered wolf species, the Mexican gray wolf and the red wolf, both of whom were extinct in the wild due to human depredation. The WCC has been a critical partner in creating genetic diversity in the captive populations and rewilding them. Martha has been an environmentalist and wolf activist for over 40 years, and she's also an award-winning author of Winter of the Wolf. Martha, welcome to the planet today. Thanks for having me, Matt. I love that you're doing this. (laughs) Thank you so much. We're absolutely thrilled to have you on. So a little background, the Wolf Conservation Center is not too far from where I grew up, so this one... uh, literally hits close to home. (laughs) So I want to start this off, you know, at the beginning. So what first got you interested in environmentalism? I grew up in Northern Illinois, almost near the Wisconsin border, not too far. It was very rural. We were like the the first house and we were surrounded by woods. And I think my parents fought a lot. So I was just out in the woods as much as I could possibly be. And I could hear animals talking and they were incredibly agitated. And I didn't really understand for a while what it was until the bulldozers came in and started flattening all the forest to become houses. So I guess we were the first house in the subdivision. And I was just devastated and sort of like so deep in my heart at such a young age that I knew that this was what I came here to do was somehow protect the environment. And so I went to school and made up a major of environmental conservation at University of Colorado Boulder. Um, At the time, there wasn't anything like it. My parents thought we were, I was completely crazy. I had started off in engineering and decided that wasn't what I wanted to do. And I got a job as an environmental consultant, moved a lot, but mostly in DC. And And the work was good and interesting and I was doing kind of all different stuff, but none of it spoke to my heart because a lot was in oil and natural gas and nuclear Mm -hmm. and Superfund sites. So still kind of feeling like this wasn't quite what I was supposed to do. 
Um, but I kept at it for like 20 years. And then we moved from Los Angeles to like an hour outside of New York in Westchester. Mm-hmm. And I just had my fourth child in five years. So decided I was no longer going to be commuting anywhere to work. And I started hearing wolves howling, which I knew would be impossible because they hadn't been in New York in over a hundred years. So I kept asking everybody, you know, what, why am I hearing wolves? And no one knew the answer. Mm-hmm. They all thought it was coyotes. And I was like, no, they sound very different. Um, and one day I just walked into the woods one day, knocked on this trailer next to an enclosure with two wolves in it, met this beautiful young French woman. Her name is Alain Grimaud. She told me that she wanted to open up what was going to be the Wolf Conservation Center to save two critically endangered wolf species. Um, we just started chatting and she said, would you like to help me? You know, I believe in these things that mm-hmm. they happen when they're supposed to happen. It was a perfect time for me. I had some time on my hands and I had always had a wolf in my dream since I was little. That was a black wolf that just sort of showed me maybe a better path to take, better friends to hang out with. Just It was very interesting. So it just felt like oh my gosh, this is just the most perfect thing I could ever have happen in my life. So it's been an amazing 23 years or something. That's awesome. It sounds like everything just kind of came together. Like you said, right place, yeah. right time. And you know, when it, when it makes sense, it just kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Today on TPT, we are joined by the founder of Earth Keepers, Tom Blue Wolf. Earth Keepers is a nonprofit that promotes honoring tradition, preserving the earth, and fostering global peace. Their mission is to empower individuals to take daily environmental action through education on sustainable lifestyle choices and reconnection to the natural world in order to promote a healthy relationship between humanity and the planet. Tom, welcome to the planet today. Thank you. It's an honor to be here, of course. And we are honored to get to talk to you. And, you know, I guess we'll start this at the start of your story, what first got you interested in environmentalism? Well, you know, it's, I was born uh, on the reservation in lower Alabama, the Porch Creek, long, long time ago. And so uh, the environment was, you know, foremost. Always, it was always about, you know, the water and uh, the told at an early age that we owe our entire existence to six inches of topsoil and the fact that it rains. So it's been a kind of a way of life just by default. And it wasn't like we sought out environmentalism. It's just we were environmentalism. It's always so funny whenever I ask that question to our guests, because I feel like half of them will say, you know, I was born into it. My family, my people, we've always just been environmental stewards who care for this. So it was never really a conscious decision. And then the other half are saying, you know, it was very much in spite of the place that I grew up in. You know, they needed someone to step up and I just kind of lucked into that role. So, Well, you know, they tell stories around campfires back in the day and they would talk about how our ancestors were shepherds and stewards and caregivers and how we had this theory of seven generations, you know, if things last for seven generations, then it was okay. If they don't last seven generations, they're not okay. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these kinds of stories about the fact that, uh, you know, so many of our ancestors, you know, uh, 
survived the incredible genocide that's been going on on this planet. So you and I can sit here talking like this because we're testimonials to a successful lineage that somehow avoided that genocide. And so we kind of feel like we were chosen in some strange way. And since that is, then it's going to be us, the ancestors of the future that leave the legacy that's going to determine how our children and our grandchildren interact and become intimate with the environment itself. And it's fundamental. If we don't do that, the alternatives are unacceptable. Yeah, it's it's so interesting when you think about the legacy that we're leaving behind, right? Because like you had just said, there's we are going to eventually be people's ancestors. And yeah. I think I find it easier to sleep at night knowing that I'm doing my best. And I know that, you know, one person can't make a difference in saving the entire global ecosystem. But if everyone treats this as I need to leave behind something for those coming after me, whether it's, you know, my future children's future grandchildren, or if it's just people I don't know in a different part of the world, we all kind of need to step up and, and do our part. Today on TPT, we are joined by Sean B. Carroll. Sean is the head of HHMI Tangled Bank Studios. His studio is partnered with PBS Nature on an eight-part series called Wild Hope, which began airing on PBS.org and on the PBS app on June 15th. Sean's team highlights stories of changemakers who are restoring and protecting our planet through hyper-local initiatives. Sean, welcome to the planet today. Thanks for having me, Matt. So I want to start this from the beginning. What first got you interested in environmentalism? Well, I'm a biologist. So as a little kid, I liked going out in the woods and flipping over logs and finding creatures and all that. And uh, I took a long detour because I really became an indoor biologist, studying kind of the invisible things that go on inside bodies. Um, But as I became more of a storyteller and author and involved in filmmaking and things like that, um, it was obvious the world was changing in profound ways. And as I spent more time with colleagues who are ecologists and, you know, in, in firsthand position to understand what's going on, um, you know, if, if, if you love life and you love life on the planet, I think you become an environmentalist. I absolutely love that. But I could not agree more. And something I'd like to kind of dive into with that, with a background in biology and, you know, then pivoting your career into more filmmaking, how do you see the relationship between how we in the scientific community tend to, I don't know if marketing is the right word, but sometimes when we publish things to a, a larger audience, we can be kind of boring. And I feel like as a filmmaker, you probably have a better perspective on how to do it well. Well, I don't know that much better. I, I, let's just say, have I learned anything in my long journey? And that is tell a story. Uh, I think scientists initially start with sort of the, sense that if people only knew what we knew, sort of had the information that we have in our heads, everything would be okay. But that's not what makes humans tick. It's story in particular, stories that inspire us and move us. And, you know, we have narratives in our head. The way we see the world is a narrative. Hmm. So I think scientists have to fuel those narratives that people carry around, um, you know, give them, well, in many cases, a new narrative that, in my case, I would say that narrative is that there's an overwhelming sense of hopelessness out there, but the reality is all sorts of people are doing things to reverse the damage that's been caused. And once you see what can be done, it, it changes, it changes your outlook. It changes that 
that narrative. So it's it's so important for us to tell stories. And that sounds like make things up, right? Tell stories sounds like, you know, story time for children. Mm. No, it means narrative, cause and effect, uh, you know, chronicling things over time, et cetera. Just giving people more than just dry facts, but insight into who's doing what and where and what's happening. All right, that's it for today. Thank you for starting off your 2024 with us. Thank you for being here last year if you've heard those interviews before. And if you haven't, thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope you go back, click the link in your show notes and listen to them in full. All of these were picked because they were great, because they meant a lot to me, to Nick, to our show, and to our listeners. So hope you enjoyed it. And we will be back next Friday for our first real episode of 2024. Until then, go hit subscribe if you are not subscribed already. Catch you in a week and let's have an awesome 2024.